Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This episode reenacts scenes of war. Listener discretion advised. Every farmer in the land must realize fully that his production is part of war production and that he is regarded by the nation as essential to victory. The American people expect him to keep his production up and even to increase it. We will use every effort to help him to get labor, but at the same time, he and the people of his community must use ingenuity and cooperative effort to produce crops and livestock and dairy products. Whereas the Great Depression created huge job shortages and surpluses of farm food, it seemed like we could never grow enough during World War II. Food is a weapon. Don't waste it, warned a government-issued poster. 140 million Americans had to be fed, and 16 million of them had to be fed in base camps, on ships, and in small companies moving the front lines forward all over the world. They brought rations up to us all the time, the guys in the jeep. Many times the cooks are sent up to the front line with ammunition and food. Sometimes they get caught in the barrage. All these people were really reliant on us to supply them. Welcome to Service, Stories of Hunger and War, a production from iHeartRadio and me, your host, Jacqueline Raposo. One thing that can't escape us this season is how palpably the Great Depression shaped the early lives of our World War II veterans. We've heard them share stories about saving trolley fare for a five-cent hot dog, about industrious parents cooking chicken feet and canning vegetables, and how grateful they were to have food at all. And so part of this fascinating historical puzzle is the shift from the Great Depression to war production on the home front. 
as we sent food overseas to our allies before joining up in late 1941, farm production demands increased by 32%, while simultaneously around 2 million men were leaving farm life, some to join the service, and some because they could make far greater money working in other war production facilities. Such is the conundrum faced by our veteran today. Harold Bud Long grew up in upstate New York, the third generation of a farming family. Growing into adulthood at the start of the war, he walked away from owning his family farm to instead work his way up the production line at Curtis Wright, the largest stateside aircraft manufacturer during this time. In some ways, farms flourished because of wartime needs, with the military a major purchaser of flour, beef, butter, and the like. But then, as we heard in our last episode with William Walker, the Navy started reporting huge food shortages as it ferried food around the world, and victory gardens were encouraged to help lighten the civilian food load. With iron, rubber, and steel waylaid for defense purposes, farmers couldn't get their hands on new machinery. And even as they increased wages from $3 to $5 to a whopping $12 a day, they couldn't compete for workers with companies like Curtis. Bud remembers a starting salary of 50 cents an hour, and once, a huge paycheck of $137 for one week. Bud's working for Curtis kept him denied by the draft board for a while. His accumulated engineering knowledge then made him eligible for the Air Corps, and, newly married, he tried to stay stateside working as long as possible. But eventually, he was sent all over Europe taking bombsites out of planes and laying emergency airstrips. Bud speeds us through legendary campaigns like D-Day, the Battle of the Bulge, and the Rhineland in Germany. To keep him fed, it took farmhands, factories, navy ships, army trucks, and so many foot soldiers all along the way. And so now, from Livingston County, New York, let's slow and sit with Harold Bud Long. My name is Harold B. Long. I was Staff Sergeant in the 9th Air Force. Growing up, we had a farm about 500 acres. We had two tractors and two teams of horses. It was during Depression. And I appreciate that because we never lacked for food. We always had chickens. We had pigs, so we always butchered one pig a year. We always butchered one half of our steer, so we had beef. We always had a great big garden. We had a snagger mule, and that was a good deal. You could run and slide on that thing, because we got so slick and slippery. Dad said, you're not going to chill sliding around like that. I can remember getting up in the morning, looking out my bedroom window and seeing the wagons lined up waiting to go through the snagger mule. I liked the horses, but I didn't have no patience with them being a kid. Everything I get a hold of equipment, I cut the tongue off and put the tractor on it. Dad used to get ticked off, and he said, you know, that gas is expensive. You know, but Dad, I got it done in half the time. <laughs> I had kids I went to school with. I'm a big family, seven in the family. Mother used to pack a lunch for me. She always packed extra for that, apples and stuff. There was microwave or no freezers. She canned the beef, beets, carrots. We made butter for a while. That was a job, making butter. I always had plenty to eat. I was drafted with MP on each side of me. I got done high school and I was the only child. 
This is 38 or 39. He had no money to send me to college. Dad says, you want to work the farm? You have the farm. I said, Dad, you want to work from daylight to dark seven days a week? You don't know if you're going to have enough to pay the bills? <laughs> Not for me. It was that in the Sunday paper, hiring for Curtis. So I worked in the salvage work on P-40s until I was drafted. I was trained what to call AM, aircraft mechanic. Went to B-26 school, medium bomber. So I flew in 26s as a flight engineer. They called that B-26 the Widowmaker or the Flying Coffin because they crashed so much. They're a hot plane. You had to fly them in and fly them out. No glide to them. My object was I wasn't going overseas. I was going to take every darn school I could get into them. The only trouble was to run out of schools. Went over on the Queen Mary in 43, right at Christmas time. 17,000 on board, no escort. Made it across in five days. The land first in Glasgow, Scotland. From there, went to train to Reading, England. And there was stationed until just before D-Day. When I landed on Omaha Beach, it was a landing craft infantry. Held around 200 and some of us, combat engineers and some mechanics. They're shooting at us. My buddy and I were in the back of the ship. The guys were anxious to get off. They're up on the front. When we hit the beach, we were 100 yards from shore. We hit a sandbar. They went right over the rail. Equipment and everything, helmets flying. They dropped the ramps. The water was 20 feet deep for 100 yards. And the CBC were having trouble and they shot a cable out to us. And it went hand over hand because it kept going down. I had a Thompson machine gun that had 150, 200 rounds of ammo across my back. I had to throw that off, throw the machine gun off. Gas mask, that one. My shirt went off, my shoes went off. So we got to shore. Oh, I had bare pants on. My buddy and I stand on the beach looking at each other and said, what a hell of a way to fight a war. <laughs> and the object was the combat engineers on D-Day were going to make an airstrip right across the top of the beach. Any planes that couldn't make it back across the channel were going to be serviced by us. When we landed, they weren't even off the beach yet, so it never materialized. We stayed on the beach most of the day. And that night, we got back in far enough to get to a hedgerow, and that was it. From then on, we maintained an emergency trip, and I went through 47 airstrips across Europe. Five miles in and off the beach, we caught a German truck. Germans, they'd left. We didn't have nothing like that yet. Positive traction, 12 volt. That truck would start 10 above zero. They always tell you, watch your buoy traps. First chateau we come to, a guy, Rice, from Kentucky. There's a radio sitting on the shelf. He grabs the radio, blows his arm right off. And that was, of course, the last we saw of him. That was before we found the German truck. So we got up there in the four or five of us. Now what do we do? We get a big chain with a half track and hook on it and pull that thing around the field, waiting something to explode. And nothing happened. Now who wants to open the door? We get a rope and tie on the latch. Nothing happened. Now who wants to try the hood? We pour some gas in it. We figured the combination out. Started right up. We kept that truck all through Europe. And we used it the parts truck, running back for parts to the rear echelon. 
The MPs told us, as long as you keep it to the front, you won't have me tell you, you get near the back, the MPs to get chicken and they'll start to pick it up. Most of the time, it was hectic. Stuff was going and coming and moving all the time. With Patton, we always had this protection ahead of us. But what happens if the front line breaks down? One time, there was the Battle of Alger in Luxembourg. The first wave went in, we lost 70-some planes. We always wanted to pull the bomb site out, the first thing. They said they wanted film and they wanted any information they could get off of it. Dewey and I had left to take the bomb site out. We got there and the snow's up to here. We said, well, wait no warning. We had an old GI stove, we took it in the farmhouse, half of it blew it up. Started a fire in it, trying to keep warm. He looks out, he says, the infantry is going the wrong way. They're coming back. Went out and said, hey, what's going on, guys? You better get out of here, the crows are about a mile behind us. Great, we got a German truck with fake letters on it. If we were get caught, we'd be shot. Combat MPs, go, go, never stop, you've checked nothing. Get out of here, get out of here. After the break? They ended up, the kids didn't have not much to eat. We fed them in the morning in what we call 10-1 rashes. Stay with us. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to Service, stories of hunger and war from iHeartRadio. I'm Jacqueline Raposo, and we're here with Harold Budlong of the U.S. Army Air Corps as he moves through Europe. About 40 minutes into the movie Saving Private Ryan, we're thrust into a rainy hailfire of combat and chaos. Looking closely, we can spot Vin Diesel as Private Caparzo picking apples from the ground and chomping them down while bullets stream over his head. It's a poignant moment of humanity, this reaching, noshing, dropping, reaching again, and then jumping into the fray. It says a lot about the last time this soldier got his hands on a fresh apple. We're similarly following Bud on foot through France now. There were a few major players when it comes to top command in the European theater, and Bud's General Patton was one of them. In a few episodes, we'll hear another perspective of eating on the front lines with Lawson Ichiro Sakai as he moves with General Dahlquist's divisions. What's most important when facing active fire and finding food at the front? Let's return to late 1944 and follow along. August 16th, we go in Paris with a free French. We couldn't hold it. So we went in to see what was going on. It was amazing. Went right down the Champs de Lys from the Arc de Triomphe. Went in the soul. You didn't see a bicycle, nothing. I don't know where these people hid. Finally, August 25th, they liberated Paris. September, October, went back in Paris on a three-day pass. It was nothing like we see in Paris. We went in first. Jammed with bicycles, and they all wanted cigarette, GI cigarette, no, little kids like that, cigarette papa. We give them fig bars, we call them poop bars, K and one rations. But once in a while you get some gum in our K rations. I lived on K rations and C rations. K rations that had biscuits in them, had four cigarettes, a morning one had the fig bar in them, and dried eggs. You mix water with it and eat it like that. C rations were in cans. Corned beef, 75 years, I couldn't stand the smell of it. They got better, they finally put hamburgs and baked beans in a can, and they started mixing up better towards the end. Another thing was orange marmalade. It had pieces of orange peel in it, it was bitter. In August, the wasps were so bad, we used to take the bayonet and cut the can open, rip it open, and pour it on the ground all around where we're gonna eat. They swarmed to there and leave us alone. And I still can't eat it to this day, orange marmalade. Got to the November in Epernay. We're in a field, seven guys to a tent. Mud, freezing cold, snow, and couldn't keep warm for nothing. The lieutenant says, You know, there's a town up ahead of us. Had a school, had a town hall, had a theater, had a hotel, and the school shut right down. When they had no coal, and there was water in the basement. They could no pumps to pump water out because they didn't have any electric. 
and it had six rooms in it, had a good-sized kitchen in it. And he said, what if we pump the basement out, get the furnace going, we'll take three rooms, we'll give three rooms to your kids and go to school. And they bought it, why not? And they ended up, the kids didn't have not much to eat. We fed them in the morning, and what we call 1001 rations. It was enough rations in a case for 10 guys for one day. And then the farmers, they'd bring some eggs, make some eggs once in a while. The kids would bring milk in from the farm, but it was all raw milk, too. We never drank it, but the kids would drink that. And they left around 1 or 30 or 2 in the afternoon, and they always give them a box of cake or 10 rations to take home with them because they say, Mom and Pa got nothing to eat, nothing to eat. We were there from November to February. Metz, Germany was right across the river from us, and that was what to be West Point for the Germans. They'd shell us every once in a while, but hit and miss. Artillery and infantry all around us, the airfield and protecting this area, was a railroad terminal in this town, too. We wanted a town one night just to see what was going on and have a drink. We called her Ma. She ran the hotel. The Germans had taken it over, and they treated her terrible. She used to raise chickens. They'd take them away. But she had a small garden. They'd take everything out of the garden. They come in and drink and never offer to pay for it or anything else. Got to talking to her, and she could make a darn good breakfast then for it, like an omelet or something like that. What a difference. The theater, she said they haven't been used in four years. We had water in it right up to the first or second row. We asked the mayor, how about we pump it out and use it? We pumped the basement out and fixed the furnace. And I can remember yet Christmas time, we were only three or four miles from the front. We're all in there at USO. And when, you know, one bomber comes over and drops the bomb right on Main Street. It slid down Main Street right up to the square and stopped. All our tour guys were in there with us. Nobody was watching the guns or nothing. And that sucker happened to be a dud. But the darn fool wanted to go back and see how he hit. He comes back to By that time, the artillery had run out to their base, and they just laid a wall up to him, and he ran right in and got him. But somebody in the town tipped him off because he could have knocked the whole outfit out. Most of the time, we lived on K rations in a box. Apples was a one I miss. Growing up in St. All Gardens of Apple, just in off Normandy, running into an apple orchard. I think they were for cider, or Maribel, or cognac, or whatever they make edible, but that was the only time we run into like that. But apples, a lot of the guys, oranges was the biggest thing. A lot of them missed regular orange. You never saw an orange or a season. The most thing I miss at home is freedom. Well, we got 50 miles of Berlin with Patton's outfit. We never knew what was going on politically. Eisenhower and Churchill and Stalin, they said, we're going to let the Russians take Berlin. Patton was really ticked. Oh, he was hot. He said, the hell with that? We're going south. That's where I got the medal for Central Europe, right through Central Germany, right to Lenz, Austria, and met the Russians in Lenz, Austria. Oh, they're a rough bunch of guys. They've been home for four or five years. They didn't know if they had a home or any of the family life. They didn't give a darn about nothing. We couldn't get along with them. 
So finally, the whole taverns that were in, we could go in town one night, and they could go in the town the next day. We wouldn't go in the because we get a big blow. Who won this or who won that? And then uh, we were on the concentration camp, and you could smell that thing five miles away. Wow. It's in central Germany, and a little town was near Orford or something like that. Then we took a half track, broke the gate in. Most of the European and French, Americans, Holland, and England. They said at one time they had about 4,000, and they were in rough shape. They said the Germans left about three days before. And I said, How come you guys didn't? Some of them were able to leave. He says, you're in Germany. Where are you going to go? As soon as you get outside the gate, somebody's liable to shoot you. And you guys weren't there yet. We had K-rations with us. When we start breaking open, the medics come and say, don't, no, no, no. You'll kill them. If they ate too much at once, their stomachs would swell up. Give them a little bit of time. It was, he couldn't hack it. It was just devastating. Guys could hardly talk. They were laying on the ground. They were laying in a bunk or wooden barracks. You know, half of them wouldn't make it out of there. We talked to a couple guys shot down in the Air Force six or eight months before that. They were in pretty good shape, but some of these guys have been here for three years. Tuesday, the 8th of May. The German war is therefore at an end. After years of intense preparation, Germany hurled herself on Poland at the beginning of September 1939, and in pursuance of our guarantee to Poland, and in common with the French Republic, Great Britain, the British Empire, and Commonwealth of Nations, declared war upon this foul aggression. After gallant France had been struck down, we from this island and from our united empire maintained the struggle single-handed for a whole year, until we were joined by the military might of Soviet Russia and later by the overwhelming power and resources of the United States of America. We get back to France and we said, let's go see Ma. Just when we left the last base, I went in and saw the map. Hey, how about eight or 10 cases of 10 out? What do you want to do? And I told him my story. Take as many as you want. We pulled up there and it was like old coming week. We left in February. Now this is August. Everybody in town comes running. Where are you guys, man? Hey, Ma, I got some food for you. I took that into her. Oh, you guys, we have robbed the place. She didn't want to take it. She thought we stole it or something. Ma, they give it to us. The war is over. Ryan, you guys will never come back. We'll never see you again. Said, Ma, soon we back and we sell We're coming back to see you. Just to satisfy her because none of us had any intention to go back. We all had things to do at home yet. And we hadn't been home for two, over two years. By the end of the war, six million men had left farm life. And the meanwhile... Millions of women, soldiers home on furlough for planting season, 
interred Japanese Americans, and programs developed with school children made up the difference. After the war, many returned to their farms. Many others, like Bud, did not. Bud returned to upstate New York and worked at Curtis again for a short while. Then he went back to school and eventually became a superintendent for his town, where he worked until retirement. At 98, he lives upstate to this day. If curious to learn more, head to Bud's page at servicepodcast.org or check out our Instagram and Facebook. We are at Service Podcast, where we regularly share some extra audio clips and more nerdy food history. We met Bud at a community event. His Livingston County just unveiled a new war memorial this Veterans Day, and making it brought together veteran families across many generations. In our next episode, we'll explore how such events can help our veterans talk about their war experiences and what part food plays in the conversation. Until then, I invite you to invite your loved ones to the table. Service is a production of iHeartRadio. This episode was produced and edited by me, Jacqueline Raposo. Misty Bodiger assisted in production of this episode. Gabrielle Collins is our supervising producer. Christopher Hasiotis, our executive producer. Thank you to Jason Skinner of Livingston County Veteran Services for connecting us with Bud for this episode. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Service on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. And thanks for dropping a review while you're at it. Most of all, thank you to those who are serving and those who have served. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 